0: another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alstead, here with Keith Myers. And uh, this is a little interesting. We we just got word uh, a few minutes ago, actually, uh, on some big news, big Seahawk news, after we recorded our other show that we were going to record. So that's completely banked. We've got a lot of uh, material in that, but we needed to, to come back and record this little segment uh, to share some news with you guys and to talk about it. Uh, joining me with, uh, with the news is Keith Myers, as usual. Hey, Keith. Hey, welcome back. So what what are we looking at here? We recorded an entire show yep. of a lot of ranting, a lot of sharing of feelings and about <laughs> one particular guy. And now this particular guy
1: is no longer is, part of the team. No um, longer a concern. So one of the things that we did, and I, I hope that those of you that are listening to this part, um, go ahead and listen to the other part, even if... Um, even if you you know the news you've already heard the news but it's still relevant we laid out a pretty good case for why brian schottenheimer should no longer be with the seahawks and that they are not going to be able to win another title with him and pete carroll apparently agrees because um brian schottenheimer is out as the offensive coordinator of seattle um fired today, this afternoon, within five minutes of us finishing up our, um, our show. Uh, yeah. They fired him citing philosophical differences. Yes.
0: So that was, that was crazy. I mean, I just, we, we finished recording. I pushed stop. I got the, you know, kind of, uh, the, uh, the video compression stuff uh, was working in the background. So I walked away went to the kitchen, let the dogs outside to go to the bathroom, checked my phone, opened up Twitter, and literally the second post was uh, Schefter uh, saying that uh, that Pete Carroll and, and John Schneider had had the lunch meeting. It didn't go well, uh, and uh, he was relieved of his, of his job. I just couldn't believe it. And honestly, the more I think about it, I mean, this is really good news. I think um, just in a, in kind of a quick reaction thing for the Seahawks, uh, we, we kind of laid it all out in our, in our show uh, to follow this little segment and you'll hear, uh, but um, it's, it, I think that we were going to be okay, but maybe okay, just wasn't good enough, you know? And I think the more that you and I talked in the show to follow, uh, I, I, I kind of ended up leaning more towards your sentiment on that, um, that it was, it was a Detriment to, to Russell Wilson and to the team moving forward to having him still there. There were enough uh, fatal flaws in his game, if you will, uh, that made um, winning any more than we're currently uh, on trajectory for, which is losing in the, in the playoffs, not getting past the divisional rounds. Um, that was our ceiling with, with him, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, who knows what's going to transpire after this? who Pete's going to bring in, um, but hopefully it marries up more, you know, whether it's Pete's philosophy or whether a new coordinator gets uh, complete autonomy that remains to be seen. I, I imagine it's going to be the former and we'll have to figure that out. Well, it's going to be, you, what are your initial thoughts? Uh, I
1: think you're going to see, um, I mean, when you talk about like, you know, philosophical differences and all that, Pete was talking about uh, yesterday about running more, um, maybe not more as in a lot more runs, but um, more effectively
0: and part imposing of imposing the will. Yeah.
1: And, and doing so in order to dictate to the defense, what they have to do, right. Uh, forcing them, Hey, you have to come up and, and, re- you know, respect the run. And by doing that, you're going to open things up for Wilson. Um, and it, you know, if that's the philosophy then he's going to find a coordinator that's going to do that for him and i don't have a problem with that because he like you said he's not talking about running the ball a lot he's talking about running it more effectively um and so that way teams have to respect it and i think that's what they need i mean you end up with this the the running game what does
0: more effective uh, mean to you uh does that mean a better offensive line and a and a premier running back or does that mean uh, we pick and choose different, you know, more appropriate spots to run, or based on schemes that defenses are throwing at us, and so forth.
1: Um, I think it's more the second one than the first. It's more about, um, you know, lining up and with you know playing a fullback at times, or or the extra tight end, but um, and, and those kind of things. But it's more about being able to run when you want to run, and being able to run when you want to run, not only running when the defense is, you know, in their dime or that kind of thing. And and when you do, it has to be effective. You've got to get, you know, four and a half yards per carry. You can't have, sure, we average four and a half yards per carry, but that's because we have one, you know, 20-yard run and then a whole bunch of one-yard runs. You can't do that, right? It's got to be consistent, effective, um, where you can grind up some yards and some clock if you're going to run the ball. And... There's not a lot of creativity in Seattle's running game. A lot of it is you know inside handoff with Wilson in the shotgun, and, and they haven't done much uh, outside of that since Shoddy got here. And it, you know, they need honestly, they need a new set of eyes. They need someone who with some creativity to come in and fix a lot of the stuff that's going on.
0: Do you believe that Russell Wilson is in a position at all to affect this hire?
1: Yes, and I do because of his relationship with Pete Carroll. Um, before this season and in the middle of this season, absolutely, because he was playing great. But the way he played down the stretch and the way he feel, he looks a little bit broken right now, uh, he's going to lose some of that. But him and Pete Carroll are tight. And um, if he comes in and says, I really want you to look at this person, or this type of scheme, or I'd like to play in, um, you know, let's let's bring in um, if Cliff Kingsbury gets fired, let's bring him in as an offensive coordinator, and you know that kind of stuff. That might be something you know that Pete Carroll will listen to.
0: Yeah, interesting. I mean, he did quote this. He said, "I know the fans aren't real jacked up on hearing that," as in. Uh, we want to dictate to the defenses we want to run more run more effectively, uh, but he said, but Russ knows it too, you know, and I have a feeling those guys are probably more on the same page than than we would even know mm-hmm. um, yeah, so interesting. Wow, I mean I just hope that this is the most consequential hire of Pete Carroll's tenure in my opinion other than because of the other than uh, his, his GM. Well, the fact that we were 12 and four, the fact that Russell Wilson's 31 years old, 32, um, and he's got four more years on his, four or five more years on his contract, and Pete Carroll's uh, signed up until 2025. This is going to determine, this hire is going to determine if we can get past the divisional round into the NFC Championship game and and put us in a position for a Super Bowl, because uh, the window is open, but it's not going to be open forever, mm-hmm. and we need to get it done. in this this hire right here with DK Metcalf now, uh, with with probably a new running back in the in the fold, uh, maybe uh, a, a few new weapons, um, Philip Dorsett, they're talking about bringing back. This new coordinator is going to have a really nice situation. with uh, Russell Wilson at quarterback uh, for the next foreseeable future. And so hopefully we can get the cream of the
1: crop. Hopefully. And, and, and that really, it comes down to it. And then, you know, my biggest thing is whoever it is, can they get the play to Russell Wilson in time so that he's not breaking the huddle with eight seconds left and having to hurry to the lining and snap the ball and letting him get up there with time to read the defense Audible occasionally, if he you know decides he needs to, um, increasingly under Schottenheimer, those plays were coming in later and later and later to the point where Wilson didn't have time to audible when he needed to.
0: I agree. What about Pete Carroll's insertion occasionally on philosophical issues, and we talked about that and play calling, like uh, once in a while Pete will say, "Hey, I want to run this play." that's not unusual for coaches to do that but how unusual is it in, for Pete Carroll to do that and and does a uh, offensive coordinator need to be okay with that
1: um an offensive coordinator needs to be okay with that cuz Pete's not going to change um the key is is if Pete Carroll trusts the offensive coordinator he won't do it
0: yes he, I agree. he didn't do that, and we talked about that later on in in the show, yeah,
1: Pete Carroll did not do that to Daryl bevel, uh, but the person who did was Tom Cable, <laughs> so um <laughs> Tom Cable would come in and basically he was in charge of the, of the running game, and so he would dictate which runs um, that Bevel had to run, and it was a mess, but Pete Carroll didn't insert himself into that. Uh, with Schottenheimer, he does, and he has. It's not just it's not just that fourth and one in this game. This is something that happens, you know, a couple times a game. Big call. He makes the call. He doesn't let he didn't let Schottenheimer make that call, and that's a problem.
0: So when Daryl Bevel was hired, he wasn't a big shot in the business. When Brian Schottenheimer was hired, it was almost a favor type of a hire. I mean, he
1: mm-hmm.
0: had only been quarterbacks coach, the OC jobs that he had had, he had Bombed. floundered, right? Um, this is an opportunity. You've got Russell Wilson as a MVP level kind of candidate. You've got Pete Carroll and that legacy. This team is, is uh, not void of talent. So you're walking into a situation that is primo and, this is the opportunity that Pete has to get a, a premium quality offensive coordinator, pretty much anybody that he wants that is available. Mm-hmm. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is this an opportunity for the Seahawks really to knock it out of the park? And it is. if they don't, what what would be your reaction? So, well... My- I mean, what are your expectations on something like this?
1: I don't have expectations on something like this. And then I think that's part of the reason why I have a difficult time answering that question, because to me, um, Pete Carroll likes to hire coaches that he, where he, that he sees, you know, kind of a common like philosophy and that kind of stuff. I mean, he hired Schottenheimer because Schottenheimer was known for this, you know, grind it, run it, uh, power running, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Thing and so that's that's why he went there Because that's what Pete wanted at the time And I mean we don't know What what he's looking for But we also don't know how much autonomy Pete wants to give up Because if he wants to go get The next big um, You know the next big get And and, and get someone who's going to come in And and really you know Shake things up on the offensive end And all of that uh, This is a great As you were saying this is a great gig if you're trying to attract someone, especially because you're looking at Pete Carroll and his age and the fact that there's already been mentioned that this may be his last contract. So you're looking at like three years and then a head coaching job opening him up. So if you're coming in as an offensive coordinator, you're like, I I could, if I swing this, if we do a good job and we swing this, I might be the head coach in waiting, you know? Yeah. Um, and so there's there are people that are going to be attracted to that and and all of that. So there's a lot to like here, but is Pete Carroll willing to give someone the autonomy necessary to bring in that, that guy, or is he going to go find someone who, um, he sees as a talent that maybe isn't well known, but he, that needs an opportunity. And I mean, that's, I think that,
0: I think that there's going to be, it's going to be a combination. I think that you're going to get a guy that's uh, progressive and has some great ideas and wants to bring in uh, more of a, a, an updated modern uh, feel to the offense at the same time, Pete's going to put some constraints mm-hmm. on that uh, to fit into his ball control. Don't turn the ball over philosophy, um, which is a, it's a fundamental foundational pillar of a Pete Carroll team. So you're not going to change the pillars but uh, you could change the window dressing.
1: Yeah. And so what you end up with is a situation where um, the this team, the offense is going to look a little different, and it needs to look different um, because it needs to take advantage of the talent that it's on, on the roster. And right now it's not using the talent Absolutely. on the roster in any way. So, uh, But at the same time, it's also going to be a Seahawks team, right? It's going to be a Pete Carroll Seahawks team. It's going to be um, – mean. It's going to be, it's going to be able to run the ball well, um, and just pound you on third and one and get it right there. That's going to be a component, but Pete, so Pete's not going to go out and hire someone who wants to throw the ball 80 times a game. Um, he's going to hire someone who might be a big name, but also knows how to design understands the value
0: of, Of balance,
1: yeah, and 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 wants to be able to do that. So it's you you can have both as long as the as long as the person, the candidate, um, has a belief about you know running the ball and and wanting to make sure that that is part of the game, so that way you can dictate to the defense what they have to do. Uh, I don't think it's going to be oh you have to you know that that Pete Carroll has to uh, have a certain amount of control. Or, you know, this person has to like defer or whatnot. I don't think it's that. It's philosophically, do we line up? And if we do, then he's going to trust the person to do their job. And
0: and I think that's the most important thing. And we talked about that later, yeah. later on here. Um, so I think that that's good enough. Uh, let's get this thing. Uh, let's get this thing done. Uh, We're going to put this little segment in front of our other segment. We're going to leave that intact and put that out as well, just because there's a lot of good conversation in there, not only about Brian Schottenhammer, but uh, other things, other issues, Pete Carroll stuff, Russell Wilson things. So we hope you enjoy uh, that. I think this is good news overall for the franchise. It'll be very interesting the next few weeks on uh, who the Seahawks end up bringing in. It really will guide the future for uh, the offensive side of the ball for the near future. And uh We'll, we'll see what happens, but, uh, enjoy the show to follow and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Hey, Seahawk fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks playbook podcast. I'm your host, Bill Albstead, here with Keith Myers. We're going to talk, uh, post-season angst and, uh, a recap, and we're going to dive into all things, uh, good, bad, and ugly and, and otherwise, uh, in this show, Keith, welcome it's good to see you. I'm glad we're here to talk Seahawks football. This will be one of those. Good,
1: bad, and ugly. I know there's a lot of bad and ugly. I'm, I'm trying to find the <laughs> this good. This is definitely going to be what's one the, of those cathartic
0: type uh, shows where we just yeah, kind of go through be. therapy together for the next hour and a half.
1: I got to tell you, um, Bill and I are kind of known for the fact that we're, we're pretty positive guys. We're um, we're definitely glass half full guys when it comes to the Seahawks. We, we aren't the doom and gloom type, but... I got to tell you, I am not feeling that today after this weekend's game and everything that happened and everything that went on and how just awful the team looked. I am I am not feeling the least bit positive about anything, and I'm sure it will come across. And if you're looking for me and my positiveness, you're going to be disappointed. Well, at least you're doing so. it with a
0: smile on your face in the first uh, minute and a quarter. So... <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, when when we uh, we had a little text thread going on uh, yesterday, we were just talking about it, and um, I, I just got the feeling that this was going to be one of those shows where uh, it was going to be kind of a tough, tough deal. But we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Let's start with some good stuff, though, um, right up front, just so we can kind of um, separate it from all the other stuff. Seahawks have agreed to a contract extension with John Schneider through – the draft in 2027, so a uh, five-year extension, um, which is uh, great news for the franchise. I think he's done an outstanding job. I know there's some distract- detractors out there. I'm not one of them. I think he's he's just mm-hmm. been really amazing and a solid rock, very consistent type of guy. He's been able to go out there and swing for the fences on some deals. Some of those have worked. Some of them have not worked. I think on the on balance. I think you, you want a guy like that out there, taking a, a few chances now and again for your franchise and uh, trying to put yourself in the best position to get get quality players to get you over the hump. And, and he's done that. He's had a couple of back-to-back drafts, I think, that have been really well. Collier looks like it mm-hmm. it would probably work out. Maybe not the first-round talent that we want, but a very steady presence there on, at defensive end. Blair, you know, unlucky to get hurt, but looked like he has uh, quite a bit of upside Medcalf, obviously, Cody Barton's a great special teams gunner. Um, Gary Jennings didn't work out, obviously. Uh, Haynes been injured. Amadi though, he, you know, Amadi's worked out uh, pretty pretty darn well. Burke Irvin's well. good special teams yep. guy this year. Brooks ended up being a really decent draft pick. I think it's going to be very steady in the in the linebacker court for for many many years. Taylor,
1: I think you're you're underselling Brooks. Uh, yeah. Brooks. I think you're underselling him. He wasn't steady. He was great. It took him a bit to get into the lineup because they started out with yeah. Irvin and Brooks was hurt and it took a bit. Once he got healthy and he came back, he was great. He like I think you're underselling him. As a rookie True. without the normal mini camp, without the normal off season and he battled an injury the first half of the season, he was still one of the better players. Yeah, and I'll defense. point out
0: outperformed Queen uh statistically um by yeah. a mile and then uh, lewis uh <laughs> at at right guard i mean that's a great pick in the third round uh parkinson mm-hmm. kind of started injured never get, really know. got into it but he had a couple of catches this year looked looked intriguing dallas uh got injured robinson alton robinson in fifth round what fifth or sixth round was it sixth round fifth round fifth
1: round it was a f- fifth round draft pick and he played like a second nice. or third round draft pick which Funny, he's a guy who has second, third yeah. round talent.
0: Well, I'm um, glad they got needed, it out of him. Needed coaching,
1: yeah, yeah. and they they got a right. lot out of him. I mean, he looks like a, he, he's gonna be. Um, I have to say that that really rotation. points
0: well to Clint Hurt, the defensive line coach, assistant coach, defensive line coach. Um, did, did mm-hmm. a good job, you know, especially after the adversity of the first you know, eight weeks of the season, my goodness, those guys were getting hammered. And then all of a sudden they just turned it around. Carlos, Carlos Dunlap shows up. That's another move by Schneider bringing in Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams. Um, it's just, you know, I think that, that he's been, uh, on, on balance, one of the best GMs in the league over since he's been with the Seahawks. And that points to the fact yeah. of all of our success combined with, the coaching at Pete Carroll.
1: They had some rough drafts in there. Sure. Um, 2014 2015 there, there were some there were some really rough ones and then you're starting to wonder you're like okay, I, we know a lot of it was Pete um, knowing college talent as a college coach coming out so he kind of had an insight there and you're like well maybe that was the secret to those great drafts early on and, and but then the last couple of years have been very solid very good drafts and like this last one he went into the draft with no draft capital whatsoever. And still got a number of key starting caliber contributors um, out of the draft. I mean, it, that was a fantastic uh, job by Schneider. I'm I have no complaints. I know people will like nitpick about you know Percy Harvin trade and Jimmy Graham and some of these other things that he's done, um, but that one it limits uh, or it ignores Pete Carroll's influence on those. And the other thing is, okay, they didn't work. So what? The team, uh, made a big play to try and make a big play and continued to win, even though it didn't work out well.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So locked in, uh, the interesting part about it, uh, and I think this was pointed out online a little bit was the fact that it extends a couple of years past Pete Carroll's current contract, which runs through 2025, which would give some continuity mm-hmm. to the franchise moving forward, possibly past Pete Carroll and yeah. into another coaching regime.
1: I mean, obviously, um, you know, Pete Carroll is capable of changing his mind and, and, you know, nothing working out, but there there has been talk that this is his last contract and that he's going to retire at the end of it, play it through um, and then retire afterward. And so this sets up the Seahawks to have John Snyder in place to pick Pete Carroll's successor. And I think that's a yeah. good thing.
0: All right. So, uh, this was going to be what kind of a season review show. And I guess there'll be a little bit of that. Um, but I think that this is going to be kind of a, a look at, a critical look at, um, some players, some coaches, um, the way that we played, the way that we started, the way that we finished—obviously, the playoff loss, uh, probably one of the worst losses uh, in franchise history, one of the worst losses of Russell Wilson's uh, career and Pete Carroll's tenure—and
1: certainly one of the worst performances of Russell yeah. Wilson's.
0: career. and and when it comes in a game in a wild card game with you're playing against a, a quarterback uh, that, that ultimately went out after nine uh, plays. And then uh, a guy with four fingers come in and outplay you a little bit, uh, you're kind of get that. Um, you're gonna get that sediment thrown thrown your way. Um, so let's just kind of open it up, Keith, why don't you kind of just set the set the uh, the tone of the discussion and just kind of get into it a little bit?
1: You know that's dangerous, right? I think it's I, think it's I think it's warranted. Discussion. I think
0: you have a lot to say.
1: <laughs> uh, Brian Schottenheimer needs to be fired three days ago. He needed he needed to not be a member of the Seahawks before the end of Sunday. Um, and I'm not putting all the blame on him. You got to blame Russell Wilson. He played terribly. Um, the offensive line didn't play well. I mean, Russell that's Wilson didn't play well for the last happened.
0: half of the year.
1: True. And you can point um, some of that
0: back to scheme. But some of that, Yeah, is, a lot of it is... Well, some of it right. is him.
1: Some of it is him. And those things go hand in Correct. hand. I mean, you have... Um, he isn't playing well because the scheme is awful. And the more they try and force him into uh, making things work in a terrible scheme, it's it, it, it broke him, at least for this year. Um, but look at what the Seahawks did this year against the Rams, the Dallas game last year. Um, the, Packers,
0: the Packers game last he, year, the Dallas game the year before.
1: It was Packers game last year, Dallas the year before. And even um, when they beat uh, Philly, which was like half a team because everybody was hurt. Um, he, Schottenheimer has not put together a game plan in a playoff game that has worked.
0: Look at the Great. halftime deficits in those games. I mean, it's cr- yeah. it's crazy.
1: And they're there they're there and it's, it's not like, well, Oh sure. Um, the defense has gave up all these points and whatnot. No, the offense literally did nothing. Right. And Pete's
0: those- and Pete's response um, usually in a press conference afterwards is, well, we were just trying to feel them out and, uh, you know, call some play, play, call some, uh, plays that would set them up for later and so forth. But that, you know, when you try to set whatever. somebody up for later, but you run so few plays the Better work. in, in the
1: better work when you, you run so few later. plays
0: in those drives and that you don't can. have a chance to really set them up and execute anything. You never get to run those yeah. plays that you tried to set them up with. You know, it's just crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, and so I look at this year and people will point to that. They scored more points than any, than, you know, any team in, in franchise history. Um, scoring league wide was up 28% this year. They scored more points than any, you know, basically uh, hit a record, a franchise record for uh, points scored was true, I believe, for 20 out of 32 teams. It's not a significant number.
0: Well, they, 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 they scored a ton of points, but they left a ton of points on the, on the board. It could have been even more. They prioritized winning the turnover battle over actually scoring points. You know, and I can, point, I can point to some statistics I wrote down um, with regards to that. Um, and I, I wrote down a couple quotes. And um, Pete said that, that Shoddy helped adjust the offense later in the year to try to prevent turnovers. And uh, and that was one of the criteria for him electing to kind of keep Shoddy around uh, this year. And uh, the offense in the first half Russ had eight interceptions in the second half. He had six interceptions. So he prevented two turnovers by constraining the offense. However, in the first half of the season, he had 28 touchdown passes in the second half. He had 14. So he took 14 <laughs> touchdown opportunities away in favor of preventing two turnovers. Th- that it, does that. Yeah. Does that make sense at all?
1: Nope. But, I mean no no. Why would you constrain um,
0: something that has the potential to be so amazing while preventing just a few turnovers? You could
1: yeah. I, You gotta realize that Pete Carroll is going to run interference for any guy that any guy of his that's under fire. So the fact that people are openly saying that Schottenheimer needs to be gone like, and not just me, but like, um, the Seattle times has run two articles essentially saying the same thing. Um, he's going to defend them and not everything Pete says when he defends players and, and coaches is truth. Yeah. And, and I think that is, is one of the things that's going on here. I mean, what you have is a situation where, uh, they changed the scheme during the offseason. They came up with, you know, they're going to uh, let Russ cook, and they're going to let him throw the ball, and they had all this stuff out there. And then there was no preseason for their, anyone to get tape on what the Seahawks wanted to do. So they went out in the first few games and threw the ball over the field and dominated and put up all these points and were a you know record-setting um, offense for the first five games. Um, and then teams started to adjust. And they figured out what Seattle was doing, and they made the adjustments. They went to, you go to cover two and cover four instead of going to a cover one man under um, and, and those kind of things. You stop, you know, they, they, the reason why they would, why teams would always be in cover um, one man under is because it put everybody up near the line of scrimmage for those run plays. Because Seattle's known as a running team, so you want to do that. Um and once teams figured out Seattle wasn't going to run the ball, that they were trying to throw it, and they, every when they did throw it, they threw it deep, they put people back, two deep uh, safeties or or cover force, that um, quarters defense, right? So you have four players back, two corners and, and, and two safeties, and each of them have a, a quarter of the field as far as the zone. And you just cover the, those deep throws. And, you know, those deep throws are covered like that. Seattle had nothing else. There was literally nothing else in their bag of tricks to, to roll with. And the offense ground to a halt and the longer it went with zero adjustments, zero, not just in game, but in season, no adjustments. And those those adjustments
0: should have been to, to run the ball more, to bring the defense back up and the, and, or, be able to use the middle of the field more for short, the short passing game, short, quick stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, and Pete Carroll even essentially said, came out and said it during his uh, press conference that next year they're going to, they want to get to where they can run the ball more and run the ball more effectively. And he says he doesn't want to like run it 50 times yeah, a game. He's, he's not he's wrong not, in that he's statement. Not, he's not interested to be in, you know, yeah, he's not interested in running and and being you know run run punt, uh a run run pass punt. Yeah, it, they see, um, they had some nice splits this years. year. I thought they did, but they did um, run the
0: ball quite a bit less. I mean, they passed the ball close to what fifty. It was
1: like sixty? Uh, yeah, sixty-one percent.
0: So and and yeah. and some of the reason for that was because Chris Carson was injured uh, a lot of the times. Uh, Carlos Hyde was injured all, you know, all the time. Dallas got hurt halfway through the season. Um,
1: and he didn't didn't come come back. back So, you know,
0: and, and then once Carson was in games, they really had him metered. Like they would restrict Mm -hmm. him to 10, 12 carries a game. Um, Carson was, or, or, uh, Carlos Hyde wasn't nearly as effective as Carson. Carson had his, uh, highest yards per carry average this year at 4.8. Last year it was 4.4 and he ran for 1,280 some odd yards. Um, they didn't run the ball very much this, this year. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and so when Pete Carroll, the reason why he's saying he wants to run it more is because it forces teams to do what they did during the first five or six games. Play up near closer to the line of scrimmage, uh, commit to stopping the run because, and, and you know, play cover one. In the back, where you have one safety in the middle of the field, and the whole and it whole forces the defense open. to
0: defend more than one thing, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, and what, then, then you turn Russell Wilson loose because now he's so. Got you the agree with and Pete Carroll? And now there's a
0: lot of folks on Twitter right now just going, "Oh my God, we just got to get rid of this guy."
1: Well, because a lot of folks on Twitter deal in a I agree world. And it's either you either run on every down or you pass on every down, and there's nowhere in the middle. Um, they live in a binary world, and I, I I can't get behind that. You have to get if you're gonna if you're gonna take advantage of Wilson's greatest strength, which is his deep ball, right? Because he throws the best deep ball in the league, and maybe one of the best deep, or not even maybe one of the best deep ball, balls of all time. But he throws those moon shots that are just perfect yeah. and going to and tight windows. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna do that. Which you should, because that's, well, like I said, it's his greatest asset. You can't do that against uh, cover two and quarters uh, coverage. So you have to get teams out of it. And there's two different ways to get teams out of that. You either complete a lot of dink and dunk stuff and force them to come up and, and defend that, or you run the ball. And because of Pete Carroll, he wants to run the ball. Um the dink and dunk stuff also isn't a great part of Wilson's game. I mean, we, he's been so great for so long. We forget that he's, you know, 5'11", 5'10", and three quarters or whatever it was. Um, and he has a harder time seeing yeah. that short. Which was really evident in this game, um,
0: you know, going back and watching the film and stuff. And and the, the defensive line for the Rams got a lot of penetration uh, most of the game. Lots of pressures, lot you know, five sacks, ten pressures yeah. on just twenty-three dropbacks, and um, so yeah, that was that was tough to watch. Um, I'm going to give you a, a few uh, Pete Carroll quotes regarding this issue. He said mm-hmm. uh, he wants to quote unquote uh, dictate more to defenses, and running more effectively is one of the ways to do that. I know that fans aren't real jacked on hearing that, but Russ knows it too. We need to be able to knock those guys into the scheme that we want to throw into. Right, so that's exactly what what you're saying is to get those guys to come up, yeah, and give Russell Wilson the opportunity for the explosive plays, which we always talk about being important in winning football games and it's the about, offense.
1: It's about dictating. It's about dictating to the yes. other team what yes.
0: they have to do, which we had gotten away from. And, we had allowed teams the last eight so, weeks to dictate terms to us.
1: Yeah, and so they 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 decided they were going to keep people back. They were going to cover those deep balls um, and take it away from Seattle. And Seattle never made any adjustment. They never did anything else. They dropped Wilson back, had him stand in the pocket for an hour and a half and try and complete a 40 yard bomb to Metcalf, despite the fact that he was double or triple covered. And that doesn't make any sense because they basically, they weren't dictating to the other team Anymore the other team was was in the in the alignment that was necessary to stop what seattle wanted And so rather than taking what the defense gave them and doing a lot of dink and dunk stuff or 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 running the ball They continued to throw it into the you know into the coverage and it It's just dumb Um, But what pete wants to do is to dictate to the other team what they are going to do You have to come up and stop chris carson or he was going to kill you um and at some point they will. And when they do come up to stop Chris Carson, Wilson's going to hit you over the top. Because now you're in a covered situation where you can't cover DK Metcalf because he's uncoverable unless you put two or right. three guys on him.
0: Yeah, so you know we're going to spend quite a bit of the offseason kind of diagnosing that and solving that. Like, what do we need to do scheme-wise to solve that? What What do we need to do personnel-wise to solve that? Um, and we've got some shows coming up to do that.
1: Here's here's the here's the problem with all of that. Unless Brian Schottenheimer is gone, you can't solve it. You won't solve it. You and I can talk about what the Seahawks should do, all we want, and you know what'll happen? Nothing.
0: I don't agree. I don't agree that nothing unless, is unless
1: going Brian to happen. Unless Brian Schottenheimer is gone. Unless Brian is gone, it doesn't matter.
0: I think I think an underlying issue for me in this whole conversation with Brian Schottenheimer and Ken Norton Jr. for that matter. And Pete Carroll is that Pete is involved too much into, uh, I I guess I don't necessarily mind so much on the defensive side of the ball because he's a natural fit back there. A defensive back coach kind of uh, calls the shots a little bit in the meetings and so forth. Let's Ken make the calls on the field during the games. Uh, but on the offense, it seems like there are two or three, sometimes four instances a game where Pete's trying to insert himself into a certain uh, situation at a critical moment in a game where he wants a certain play called. He'll override, uh,
1: like fourth and fourth on this and last one, game coming out of an coming out of right. an injury fourth, and they still and he get can't the get play the
0: playoff. so. So for me, that the trust issue, the trust level that Pete Carroll has in his coordinators tells me that they're not the right coordinators for the job. So for me, that's more important in wanting them to be released. Now I'm talking more about Brian Schottenhammer now than Ken Norton. Ken Norton's got some, some issues. And we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. We've got a coaches show coming up. Um, For me, it's, it's, does he have the the confidence and trust in them to be able to do their jobs independently so that Pete can focus on being Pete and the head coach and game management and clock management issues and stuff, which has always been an issue. And, and he hasn't hired a top level offensive coordinator for this offense since he's been here. And it's always been this relationship, this push pull relationship where he wants it done his way He wants a a certain identity, which is fine. You can have an overarching identity. That's he's the head coach; he gets that prerogative. But once you establish that identity, you need to enable your coaches uh, to be able to uh, do their jobs and to without interference, because I think that causes its own set of issues and problems. And it and it may in fact be an underlying thing out there with Russell Wilson. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot going on there, a lot of psychological well, stuff. Yeah. And I want to talk to you about Russell Wilson a little bit, too, as, as we go on. Um, and then as far as Ken Norton is concerned, I thought Ken Norton was going to be gone, you know, for half the, half the way through the year. And they put this thing back together. And I just realized, you know, as, as the season went on, that it was just kind of a talent deficit thing in the, in, the, in the deal and a miscommunication situation going on, I think primarily with Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. Uh, they were just not able to figure out what each uh, was doing, and it, it made uh, Quandre Diggs in the first half of the season hesitant. Um, it made our defensive backs on the edge, our outside corners, um, that rely on on Diggs to be in certain spots at certain times, that they were playing off their man a little bit more because the trust issues. And then they figured it out, you know. And then uh, Carlos Dunlap came on, so the the combination of Carlos Dunlap. Adams figuring out his role where he's, you know, communication and stuff really solved that. And, and you got to give Pete or yeah, both Pete and Ken some credit for, for coming through there. So I don't necessarily want his head on a platter. I think the defense is, is shown that it's on a trajectory that's, that's rising. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave that alone. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the thing with, with shoddy and Pete's, you know, reiterated his, confidence, enough confidence in him to retain him this year. He's come out and said he expects him back, you know? So either he's going to get a head head coaching opportunity somewhere else, or he's going to be back as the coordinator for the Seahawks next year. And,
1: and, and, which means tomorrow, which means next year is a wasted year. Well, yeah.
0: I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I don't, I'm not going to be so pessimistic that I'm going to waste all my energy trying to be a defeatist in that situation.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm just saying that, um, what we've seen from Brian Schottenheimer in four years in Seattle, and his time in uh, L.A. and in New York as the coordinator there, is that you will never win a Super Bowl with Brian Schottenheimer as your coordinator. He just isn't good yeah. enough at his job. Well, there's
0: there's underlying trends, you know, with with Shoddy and with Wilson that are concerning. The slow starts, Mm -hmm. not just in the playoffs, but every freaking game, it seems like we're slow starts. I mean, we've, we scored first, you know, a few different times during the season, primarily in the first four or five games. And then we didn't, and we were always playing catch up and it's hard to do with our offense. You know, we're, we're not designed to do that. And then, um, you know, and and in playoff games, we've started from behind in five straight games, um, at at a halftime deficit. And, you can't do that and expect to win in the playoffs and move forward um, and take that next step as a team. And we haven't. We've just proven that we haven't. We're the, we're still the same team that we lost to Dallas three years ago. And mm-hmm. as, and the, the lack of game and clock management,
1: you know, what's going on there? And the third down. Why are the plays coming in right, with 10 seconds left in the play right. clock?
0: And the third down conversion rate at ranked 27th in the, in the NFL. That's unacceptable with Russell Wilson as your quarterback. And that is a scheme situation. Now, Russell Wilson played awful uh, a number of games late in the season and obviously in in the last game. Um, But that fourth, that third down conversion situation has been ongoing, not only this season, but last year, last season as well. And they need to solve that. Like that needs to be a solvable situation where they need to, to gain yards on first down so that they're second, third, and short uh, more often and, and convert those. They should be, instead of 40%, they should be closer to 50%. Yeah,
1: and um, I mean.
0: And sacks. I just want to say this, one more thing. And, and sacks the underlying trend yeah, of sacks. Now one. I know sacks is kind of a quarterback stat, quote unquote, but there were some offensive line issues as well, primarily at center and, and left guard. And I think those are probably mm-hmm. kind of a priority situation. I agree with Pete priority situation to address those things in the offseason. And we'll talk about that as we go on too.
1: Yeah. And um, what you have is you have the situation where yes, stats stats, sacks are mostly a quarterback stat. I mean, it's not a one or the other as far as offensive line or quarterback, but um, more of the blame for most sacks lies on the quarterback than it does the offensive line. That's just league-wide. That's kind of the way it works. Um, And Russell Wilson holds onto the ball a lot, takes a lot of sacks. It's part of him being Russell Wilson because of his... um, ability and willingness to improvise when a play breaks down and and make things happen and he's so good at it. So yeah, we don't worry about it. Um, so what you end up with is a situation where part of the reason for hiring Schottenheimer was because of his ability to work with quarterbacks. Drew Brees loves. Him because he was a quarterback coach there. Same with um, Philip Rivers. So b- both those guys will they will go to bat for Brian Schottenheimer because he was their quarterback coach and he's proven to be a good quarterbacks coach um, or a great one. And we saw last year, a year you know, not this season but the previous season, um, significant improvement in Russell Wilson. His footwork, his pocket management, you know all these different things, because he was working with Schottenheimer. I mean, that's just part of it is. But then look at this season. If you bring in Schottenheimer and you're going to put up with all of the things that he's really not good at, which is most of his job, because he's going to fix your quarterback and keep your quarterback playing at a high level, then explain to me the last eight games of Russell Wilson where he played terribly.
0: I have I mean, a theory, the and, worst, it's, and it's it's not. Worst.
1: This is the worst stretch of games for Wilson's in in his entire. I have a career. theory. It probably I have a what. theory,
0: and it's 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 it's. I I don't. I hate to even speculate about it. Um. I think that maybe Russell Wilson has some has some self defeating tendencies, and some. When the when the like the whole um, MVP talk in the first five games was out of the ballpark. He was going to win it, no problem. He's going to get the first votes ever, and he's playing lights out, just playing tremendous ball, flawless. And for whatever reason, I think it's just too much. It's just too much, too much pressure, too much distraction. Um, defenses, uh, got to him in that Arizona game for the first time. And then, um, Minnesota played him that way back to back. And then Buffalo happened. And I think it ruined him for this year. I, I don't think it's, this is a permanent situation. I just think that he got into such a funk and didn't trust stuff. And the offensive line was letting him down uh, more than more than not and he started dancing around and started having uh, bad fundamentals um where he was dropping his head and looking down um and he was running up into sacks and um when he was spinning away uh he would sometimes um before he would need to he would just get panicked and um it, it's just <sighs> And then, and, and on top of that, you know, the, the coach, I'm sure in meetings privately, we didn't hear about it at the time, but told, constricted the offense on him said, I can't have you turn the ball over. We're not going to let you throw those anymore. We're going to limit, you know, those opportunities. And I think it was really disheartening for him. You know, it would be for anybody. And all of it is just a lot to take, you know, it's just on a human being level. And for me, I think that that's what it is. I There's no physical issues that we've heard about. There's no concussion protocol that he's ever gone through. And so I just think that it's in between, you know, in his head. And it's um, he's just going to have to figure it out. And maybe it's a new quarterback coach this year. Or, you know, I know he likes to go and, and talk to, to different people all the time that are you know, therapy oriented and all that kind of stuff. And maybe he needs some of that, but I think that it just, you know, certain things got to him this year that he just couldn't overcome. And, you know, when we talked uh, right before the show, we were going over some stuff regarding Schottenheimer and stuff. And, and um, I honestly believe, you know, some of the reason why they didn't adjust and they didn't scheme out of what they were doing is they honestly believed that they thought that Russ was going to play out of it. And it didn't also, happen
1: this the scheme the scheme problems weren't Russ
0: no no that's what I'm saying I'm you're saying still, that
1: you're you're asking you're asking Russ to throw the ball in um basically where other teams are scheming away your routes and what you want to do and you're asking him to play his way out of uh, a funk by completing passes in that situation no you have to actually they did not passes, put him in to...
0: in the position to be successful after he was struggling, mm-hmm. and the whole offense was struggling. But you also have execution problems, not by just Russ, but by receivers dropping the ball. Medcalf had drops. Uh, there were other players that were given up on routes early and so forth. Um, but too many times, Russell Wilson was playing outside of the the construction of the offense.
1: Well, that Russell has Wilson. been Russell been Wilson.
0: He's very good at it unstruct, unstructured, but there are moments and mm-hmm. times where you need to have him play within a structure in order to be able to be successful and and um, convert third downs and so forth. And I think that's some of the issues. Is you know some for whatever reason this team got off sync, um, in in how they were all working together. I'm, and and I uh, you know and some of that gets laid at the feet of Brian Schottenheimer, but but a lot of it gets laid at the feet of at, it, uh, Russell Wilson. You know,
1: Honestly, I think it. I think, I think it's both. But I think asking you're setting Russell Wilson up to fail by asking him to run those plays over and over again against what I agree. You're setting him up to fail. And I think that that is how many times did we come back on the show after losses
0: and stuff, even some, after some wins that were close, we'd come back and say, you know, what were they doing? Trying, you know, those plays are taking too long to develop. You know, they're trying to take these deep shots when everything is open underneath, Mm -hmm. we should be taking what the defense gives you move the ball incrementally down the field and score points. Instead. It just seemed like it was all discombobulated, you know, for weeks on end. Like it never really got any better. Maybe the Jets game and then it just reverted.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's right. right? I I mean, they're just not a good team. So, Um, so
0: let me ask you this. So let's initially let's, let's talk a little bit about the season. Let's, you know, let's, what was good? What, what can we retain and what was bad that we need to get rid of? Like, Let's let's talk about a few players like, for example, um, unrestricted free agents, Chris Carson. You know, what do you do with Chris Carson, Keith? You know, he he probably wants seven million a year and he was injured four games and he was limited in the other 12 games he was in. Had 700 some odd yards.
1: Uh, You're this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I think if that's what he's asking for and he thinks he's going to get that, let him walk.
0: He's a very effective runner. In fact, he's a runner that Seattle uh, likes to have.
1: You're right. They and we have, have but
0: four picks in the draft. Running,
1: back, running backs are... uh, They're not worth that much. Because you saw what happened when, when he was out and Carlos Hyde played. The offense still worked. Mm. Like, Carlos Hyde is... He didn't statistically. He didn't have a great year, but his um, yards, like, his yards before contact, were was really poor because the offensive line didn't. They basically set him up poorly. His yards after contact per play was very solid. Um, he he did yeah, fine, but and he was one of the biggest criteria the
0: in football is being available, and he wasn't true enough.
1: Yeah. And neither, and neither was, was Chris, Chris
0: Carson. So therein lies some of the problem with the offense being kind of one dimensional. And when you are one dimensional defenses have an easier time trying to figure you out and stopping you. So it kind of all goes together. So, um, let me ask you this. Do you agree? So you agree that we need to run a little bit more and more effectively.
1: We need to run more effectively. And, and, they need that. And threat there. So
0: let me ask you this up front. Offensive line in the trenches. And then trenches is where we lost this last game, by the way. Um, what What's going on? We got Posick's unrestricted, uh, Apati's unrestricted. Are those two guys an area where the team looks to upgrade this season?
1: Um, or, or does Posick come back? Potti. I think Posick probably comes back because uh, he... He played pretty well. I mean, he's got some weaknesses. And he has a he has that. a pretty
0: deep he's... injury history with the Seahawks.
1: True, um, and I, I I think he comes back mostly because I don't think he costs anything. To I agree. Um, Lupati one, he rarely played. Two, when he played, he wasn't that good. It's time to um, move on. I agree. It's time, it, it was time to move on a year ago. Um, they, they, I, I, I honestly think that that. I think
0: they were going to depend on Phil Haynes to kind of come through. And Phil Haynes was injured all year. And now I don't know what to think about Phil yeah. Haynes. Cause that's two years in a row where he's completely gave us nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed.
0: All right. And then, okay. So some other key free agent guys, Jacob Hollister, Jacob Hollister the year before last played really well in 10, 10 11 games he played. He had 48 receptions, tons of yards, uh for touchdowns something like that. This year it was invisible. And when he was visible, he was dropping. It he was dropping Hollister. the balls and he yeah. was missing blocks. And that's all I remember about his season this year. It was the worst season and he had the worst game in the biggest game of the year uh, against the Rams. And so I I don't see how you keep Hollister.
1: Yeah, uh there's no reason and to And you've
0: got Parkinson on the I
1: roster. I mean you got Parkinson on the roster if you if you want a um pass-catching um, tight end who can't block, you've already got one. And Hollister did nothing this year to uh, dictate that he needs to be on this roster. Um, I thought Dizzley played really well in the role that he was in, which was mostly as a blocking um, tight end because they used him as a right tackle for a large chunk of the year. Um Olson played pretty well, but I think he's headed to retirement and a job in a booth. Uh, but Hollister was very disappointing to me. Um, and I, the entire, at this point like, the
0: entire tight end room was underutilized this year. I thought for sure with Disley and Olson, we were going to have a tandem. Things were going to open up in the middle, uh, release valve wise. Russell Wilson was going to have a couple of great targets there And we ended up having uh, 25 completions to each one of those guys for the entire year, um, which was, I think, totally undervalued. And I don't know what happened there because Brian Schottenhamer's always had a tight end, you know, as an offensive coordinator that he's been able to throw to and stuff. I'm not exactly sure why they went away from that this year. Um. David mm-hmm. Moore, Philip Dorsett. Understand they want Philip Dorsett to come back, but he didn't show anything. We have no idea what we've gotten Philip Dorsett if he'll even be the same.
1: Pete Carroll was really positive about that. Apparently, he had a second surgery and feels really oh, okay. good now. They like what they see out of him. He was basically like, you know, we're discounting uh, this year as a lost year, and they're going to bring him back because um, he, you know, he was on a on a league minimum yes. deal, so they'll bring him back on a league minimum deal again and, and, and try again at it. They could use Um, a guy
0: like Philip Dorsett. So if you're not going to have a big tall possession style receiver that can play out of the slot um, to give Russell Wilson a target in the, in the middle, uh, a guy, a slasher guy um, like a Julian Edelman kind of a guy, you know, can, can give you four or five receptions from the slot. um, And he could fill that role or he could stretch Mm -hmm. your defense and, and, have DK Medcalf play that big slot spot at at certain times. Um, David Moore. David Moore is an issue for me because he's an unrestricted free agent. He renegotiated his contract for a league veteran minimum deal after he signed a tender. And um, do you you have David Moore back at all? Or do you just move on and try to find something better? Freddie Swain's going to take those uh, touches this year anyway, I would think.
1: What's he going to cost? League minimum right? Because this year he wasn't on a league minimum. He was on more because of that um, restricted uh, free agent status that he was on. But yeah, but they renegotiated
0: him before the season, Keith, and he only made $890,000 instead of 2.1 million.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, I was just thinking more like he could have actually, I think he could have made in the the low sevens, but he he was close. But yeah, you bring him back on a league minimum. Why not? Non-guaranteed. What's, what's, what do you lose? Non, he he either comes out and makes the roster and, and shows that he deserves playing time or you cut him at the end of training camp.
0: I was a little concerned. I'll be completely honest and I, I'll disagree with you a little bit. I thought that, that David Moore this year had his feet in quicksand and uh, was very undecisive returning the ball, lost his job. When he did catch the ball in open space, he just, he was frozen sometimes and uh, very ineffective in playing, uh, picking up yards after catch. And I just don't, and they tried to use him in that role. And I just don't see him being a dynamic uh, run after a catch type type player. And I think we can do better than that. That's me.
1: No, I'm, and I, you're right. We can do better than that. But what do you lose by potentially
0: giving up a roster spot? If he has a good training camp to a, to a more promising prospect with more upside, but unproven.
1: I don't know. It happens, um, you know, league minimum deal with no guarantees. Bring him in. If, if Philip Dorsett gets hurt again or, or, or can't go, then you've got I, a guy the one thing,
0: thing I do agree on. on. And we'll have to talk about this. <clears throat> the entire off season is the salary cap and the number of players that we'll need to, to sign into that. And, um, the number of unrestricted guys we have now, big decisions are going to have to be made. Um, and so a guy like David Moore might be the mo- most reasonable opportunity to get somebody competent in to play for you uh in that role without costing a ton of money. Um Cedric Abuahay, I thought he played poorly in his first game subbing but then came on and played average and maybe that's good yeah. enough to to stick around, I don't know. He they you know, he played in favor uh, uh over like a guy like Chad Wheeler. Um that was that was on the practice squad quite a bit um so you know i mean a guy like Abuhe who could play both interior guard position and tackle for you on either side is is a valuable guy i just don't know if it's going to be him or somebody else like him next year
1: yeah um and i can he's he's a valuable guy i mean a sw- any swing tackle is a valuable guy and i thought he played he played okay at times he played bad at times he played Pretty well at times. Um, he is what you kind of expect from a backup tackle who's a swing tackle who can play both sides. Um, I don't have any problem with him. I'm not gonna pay him a lot of money. Um, but the Seahawks didn't pay him a lot of money this year. So yeah, go ahead. You you need you need a backup tackle? You can do worse.
0: How about Geno Smith? You know, is this the year, given the situation that we just kind of went through, where the Seahawks take a longer look? At, at evaluating and developing a quarterback,
1: um, I think yes, and the reason why I say that is because Alex McGoo is back on the roster,
0: and they liked Danny Etling,
1: and they really liked him. They as did. a Rookie, he was. Uh, he he decided not to sign that futures contract and stick around, and instead. See if he could, you know, find some place closer to home, and and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but now he's back, and they really so they, liked him. And what like Keith what means is they signed
0: him to a, a futures contract for next next year.
1: Yeah, he, he's on the roster for next year, or he's on the he's on the roster when the when the rosters expand to ninety from fifty three to ninety as of the first day of next league year, which right. is uh, typically the first weekend in March. At that moment, he's on the roster, um, and I think that you don't um, jettison a guy that you've had around all all season like Etling, and bring back a guy like Magoo if you don't really like him. And I think they really like him. And I think given the salary cap concerns that they that they have, um, that Geno Smith is probably not going to get paid in seattle if he wants to come back on a near minimum deal uh sure bring him back why not i mean you want to win he's a um he's a good backup i mean you, you can do far worse um but if he wants to get paid like a good backup which he probably should um which is you know two and a half to five million a year uh go ahead and 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 take a swing at not paying him and you know running with a guy like Magoo as your backup.
0: So let's look at the defensive side of the ball. Uh, K.J. Wright. K.J. Wright played himself back into a contract, uh, at least a contract conversation uh, this season by having one of his best seasons in the last five years. And he switched positions to do it. Uh, Moved from weak side to strong side so that they had a spot for Jordan Brooks. Um, What do you think of K.J. Wright?
1: Um, I, I, again, it comes down for me, it comes down to cost. I, he had a great year. He really did. And once he moved to the strong side where what they were asking him to do fit his, um, physical talents that he has at this point in his career with a little bit of age and and injury history underneath him, um, he was just able to play and be good. And it opened up Brooks to play in his natural position, and the combination of the three of them was, was outstanding. I I wouldn't have any problem with it. Uh, he showed uh, that he one can still play at a high level. He that he showed durability, which he hasn't shown in the previous couple of years. And why wouldn't you? Uh, but he, 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 well, he you're going to get some diminishing return
0: at some point uh, in KJ Wright's career, but we'll see.
1: Yeah. I mean, you do. That's what I mean. Like if he wants 10 million a year, no, sorry. Go get that from someone else and we'll play um, a rookie or, you know, Cody Barton Mm -hmm. or or whatnot, Um, or play, just play the nickel more often and, and play two linebackers most of the time. Um, I'm okay with that too. But if he wants six, five, yeah, yeah, do it. Bring him in, play him.
0: Out of the next three players, who would you retain? Bruce Irvin. Benson Mayoa or Quentin
1: Dunbar. That is an interesting question. Um You know, Benson Mayoa played really well when they got him into yes. the right role. When they were asking him to be a starter,
0: he, he got worn down yep.
1: inept. Um when they asked him to come in and play twenty five
0: percent of the snaps.
1: A, I to say yeah, eighteen snaps a game as a as a dedicated pass rusher and nothing else. He was really effective, um, and that's 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 a valuable part of the roster. Um, Especially when so you have I'm, two young guys
0: that are going to be in front of him and Der, Terrell Taylor and and Robinson.
1: Yeah, um, but you can also work some stuff with the other side of the line. You know what I mean? Like when you go go to a NASCAR package, so that he is on there Robinson is you know on the other side of the line and and um, that kind of situation and you you know move green and or maybe move green and, and Robinson to the inside and play Taylor and and Mayoa on the outside and, and and go with a NASCAR package on you know third and, and a mile and and that kind of situation you uh, I mean you can do those kind of things but honestly like Bruce Irvin is a hard one for me because he never really got a chance to show. He's going to play for very little next year, um, especially if, if K.J. Wright does leave, then you bring him in to be, at least you have something at strong side linebacker um, that you know you can kind of depend on, uh, at least in the beginning until any of the... You can't pay him, what, five and a half, you know? six
0: million dollars with what they decided I don't know. to... I you're paying yeah. him like... He needs a little bit more than league minimum, maybe.
1: He needs to be making like one and a half. I agree, I agree. That's it. So, and sorry. then Quentin Dunbar,
0: um, what do you think? He had a tough run with the Seahawks. It was tough. It was a tough year it, for Dun- Dunbar in general with the off the field was, stuff and then this this year. uh this year and then the injury. Horrible play mm-hmm. on the field. It just didn't work out for him here. But does that mean he's precluded no, from think, coming back?
1: No, it doesn't because he um he did have all that stuff that was going on and you know, trying to deal with, with that kind of stuff. But, and the Seahawks
0: um, have an interesting situation contract wise with Shaquille Griffin. He's an unrestricted free agent. And, and it's a, you know, (laughs) here's the situation with, with Griffin too. He's, uh, he's an league average quarter cornerback who has a little bit of injury tendency who may want more money than the Seahawks are willing to pay. And so does a guy like Tunbar give you a little bit of he's insurance better. on that?
1: I think he's better than a league average
0: quarterback. He's not top 10. So if he's top 15, no. top 30, he's league average.
1: Yeah, if he's, you know, top 30. And I think he's probably somewhere in the 20 to 22 range. Um, I mean, you see, there there are stretches where he just is. And like there are stretches player. where he gets beat over
0: the top because he's...
1: Right. Where he struggles, yeah, and so um, you you know we you kind of have to take some of that as you go and and that kind of stuff. So I think he's um, dependent, you know,
0: just like the Legion of Boom guys, we're all dependent on each other to be good. Uh, especially uh, Earl Thomas, um, I think. Shaquille Griffin is dependent on his, his free safety to be playing very well. When uh, Quandre Diggs plays well. Shaquille Griffin plays well, and that's no surprise. You know, especially the 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 zone-heavy coverages that the Seahawks play. Yeah, but but when um, you play zone as a defense, is Shaquille Griffin worth you know top twenty-two money? I don't think so.
1: No, I wouldn't. I, um, and I that's. That's again going to be an unpopular opinion. Not I, necessarily.
0: I, I think people get that.
1: I, I think that corner. We saw this year that you have to have corners in this defense. <laughs> yeah. Um. Right, and they you can't you can't you have to have good you have to have good corner play, but you don't have to have great corner play. I mean, the defense works great if you've got um, you know, peak Richard Sherman out there, but uh, it's not required. For this defense to work because they didn't have, you know, elite all pro level corner play on, um, you know, on, on the, the defense this year. And so and the defense still works. So Oh so, they so the really defense. Well, so if we so. can
0: carry the defense over to next year at the same kind of level they finished with. And the only people on the list that are worth losing potentially are right. Mayoa and Griffin. And if we lose all three, that still doesn't kill your defense because you're going to get adequate replacement value players in those positions to me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think the defense can be okay. Yeah. I'm a little worried about the offense a little bit. I think that, you know, we need to find a running back. We need to find a couple of offensive linemen. We need to find it third tight end or number two tight end. Um, I think everything else is pretty, pretty straight. We've got our top two wide receivers Lockett's going to be on a contract year. Right. And, um, we're going to have to figure out like a third wide receiver, but that's pretty easy to do. So, and then I wanted to talk to you too, about the, the, the salary cap just for a minute, where we're kind of at. Um, Over the cap says we've got the league cap is going to be set. They're they're figuring the lead cap is going to be set at seventy eight million dollars. It was earlier reported seventy five. They're thinking seventy eight. We'd talked a little bit maybe that the cap uh, would be um, would be leveraged over a number of years so that they could maintain the, the the level of the cap as it exists now, possibly, and push it forward. You know, three or four years so that. And when they get the new TV contract, they would just not increase the cap for the first couple of years and then allow it to go up from, from there. So that way, uh, players are not impacted this year's and team level is not impacted this year's as far as, far as quality of play and so forth.
1: Yeah. I mean, this will take a, cause it's a, it, it's not what the CBA says. Cause the CBA yes. was like, it's, it's going to take an addendum. The cap is dependent on the, is, is, a, is dependent on the previous year. Uh, but that doesn't have them, you know, basically kind of taking losses because of all of the, uh, the COVID related stuff. And for them to, you can either decrease the cap and have everyone who's a free agent this year struggling to get paid at all, or you can keep the cap where it is and spread that hit out over a few years and just keep it and just level rather than having it dip back down and then come back up. Um, and the, so there'll be, there'll be an addendum. They'll, they'll figure out all the details. That's why no one can come out and say the details, but we have, um, heard from people that are within the union and from people that are within the league office. That There's an the incentive plan, for both to, sides to, to do out. something about this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody right. wants this. So 178, um, but let's
0: just take 178 just for the topic of their 180, whatever. Um, the Seahawks have, so at 178, the Seahawks have $17.8 million, something like that available in true cap number. And so, uh, but, but the Seahawks have some opportunity to generate more cap. They have a number of different contracts, big contracts that are unguaranteed this year. I just want to list those out for you. And then I'm going to let you talk about maybe what they could do to help manipulate that. So Adam's 9.86 9.86 non-guaranteed Diggs 5.5 dunlap 14.1 um dwayne brown uh only 2 million of his 13.55 is guaranteed so he's 11.55 so there's 40 45 million dollars right there unguaranteed salaries it's just some players that we want back i mean there's not one of those players that i would want to leave so, what can the Seahawks do to get money out of those, and also maybe secure these guys into the future?
1: Well, I mean, the, the easiest one is is uh, Carlos Dunlap because, you know, he he's set to make uh, fourteen was it fourteen point one next year, and if he gets released and is out on the open market, he won't get that. But he could Not get a, ten, he could get ten. Um, he could get ten. Um, or he might get nine. It'll be somewhere in that range. And so the team can be like, you know what? We want to make sure that you get that 14. So we're going to cut your salary this year to nine. And next year, uh, we'll make it eight over two years. So that's a total of 17 and we're going to guarantee 14 of it. Uh, so you'll still get the same. So what's his first year cap uh, hit you, then? You know, So... Depending on how much of it is is um, salary or is um, signing bonus when they do that. Because by stretching it out over a couple of years, you can take, first of all, you, you, you decrease the salary from 14 to nine. And then you'd say half of that is um, a signing bonus. So therefore, you'd cut another, well, let's, let's do it this way. Let's say six million of that nine is a signing bonus. You cut another three. His cap number becomes six. So it goes from 14.1 to six next year. And he so that's a savings. That's a savings of
0: eight million dollars against the cap for the Seahawks.
1: Yeah, and you you locked get in him for two years. Locked in for two and years. happy
0: potentially. Yes. So and uh, the Jamal same Adams you can do the same is, thing with all you know, those guys. Correct. Of
1: the reason he, kind of um, the problem with doing the you can't do the same thing with with Jamal Adams because. He's a guy who the reason why he's in Seattle was because he wanted the Jets to pay him. And they so,
0: so by it. saving money on Dunlap, though, you've generated money for Adams.
1: Yeah. And so, the C, what the CX could do is sign Adams to an extension that pays him whatever they need to pay him 14, 15, 16 million a year. But it, those numbers start after the conclusion of his current deal so that his salary next year doesn't change. In fact, you could convert some so of it to
0: bonus him. and
1: have you could, very little you cap. You could convert some of it to bonus, um, and, and push more of it out. But I think at some point you, if his, if his salary is going to go from nine to 15, uh, the following year, you don't want, are you really going to be able to work around if it goes from six to 18, um, that year or six to 17, you know what I mean? Like they're, There's advantages to having it now, but there's also advantages of using some of the cap space now rather than just kicking the can down the street and always having, you know, cap concerns. So um, I I think with him, there's a little bit less. Same with Diggs because his number is so low already. You know, it's in the fives. I don't think that you're going to see him like rework. And I mean, they might do it and, you know, get Adam a year or two. Um, uh, in order to get his number, never the, the only reason season. I included it's, it's it is because
0: there is just a little bit of money there to, to be mm-hmm. able to work with what I'm trying to say is you can generate yeah. some, some significant savings to, to increase your cap savings in the next year from 17 to say 30. I think that's an opportunity that yeah. the Seahawks
1: have. And you can do that without losing the players without just jettisoning Um, because they're all key players, right? You're talking about your your two um, Pro Bowl safeties, your um, your and your left tackle, right? Uh, so you, these are guys you don't want to replace because if you let them go, you have to bring someone in to replace them. And can you bring someone in that's an equal talent for? Well, wrestling? and we also have we also have can't.
0: 24 unrestricted free agents that we need to replace on the roster. You now some of those guys obviously are coming back but they're not they're not yep. um, accounted for yet on under mm-hmm. that cap. So, yeah. And the, and the, and so we only have four wanna... draft picks. So, this is going to be a very interesting yep. offseason um, which which is some of our favorite time of the year uh, together on the show because we need to f- figure out this puzzle. And it's a fairly complicated puzzle without a first round draft pick, a second uh fourth fifth, I think seventh, something like that. Right. And so, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all fits. Um, we don't have huge glaring holes that we're trying to, to, to fill. Obviously the cornerback spot, um, we need to kind of figure that out the strong linebacker spot, um, the, uh, a tight end and a running back and everything else is fairly starter wise is, is pretty good.
1: Yeah, um, and I I think you just in a situation where do they need to generate some cap? Yeah, they do, uh, and they will. I guess a Dunlop's the easiest one. You could generate eight million fairly quickly, and you lock him up for an extra year. Um, and that eight million, I mean, you're talking about that those twenty four unrestricted free agents that they've got to resign. A lot of them will be signing for league minimum deals. That they'll be uh, guys that are being replaced, and so um you know you're talking about that 8 million might might bring in 15 of them uh and so that could be a huge chunk of fixing what you want to you know the roster and everything so i just think you're you're going to be able to do some of that stuff i'm never like i am i'm not you're going to say you just throw the, you throw the cap to the wind and don't do and you, you know you just ah eh, who cares um but at the same time i'm not one to overly get freaked out about cap status because I know there's always ways for you to work it massage it and do stuff with it. Um, things are never as bad as people want you to believe.
0: <laughs> That's true. Um, all right. So uh, we've got quite a few shows planned out into the future. I think next year uh, we're going to continue the kind of the conversation that we had only we're going to talk about the guys that are under contract. Uh, the roster, we're going to do a roster evaluation show. Who's on the roster? What position groups are looking good? What position groups are um, needing improvement? uh, Additional players, signings, free agents, uh, draft picks, all that kind of stuff. What we're trying to do is establish need uh, amongst all the position groups on the team so that uh, every episode after that, all the way through the draft, kind of gets us to additions, uh, onto the team to, to make us better and, and, uh, complete the, the roster. Uh, and then the, the episode after that, we're doing a, uh, GM coaches evaluation show. So we're going to go through the coaches and, um, general manager, and we're just going to kind of look at them performance wise. We had that conversation today a little bit, but we'll go a little bit more into depth.
1: True. But in, for that show, we are going to yes. have a special guest, um, Dana Gorman from, um, uh, I was going to say NFL female, but that's their old name. It's our now Outdoor Football, football um, is going to be here in part because otherwise the whole show will be me ranting about uh, shoddy, and you guys just heard a show <laughs> <and> me <laughs> ranting about shoddy, and you probably don't want to hear another one. So we're going to get in a um, another opinion. I'd love tourism. to and, spend as much um,
0: time that we did on shoddy today on Ken Norton um, in that show, just because I think I want to I want to understand better. Maybe we will by then uh, what happened in the first eight weeks? I want to kind of see if he comes out with a news conference. We have more to talk about. Maybe they make a couple other personnel moves. Um, as far as the, the coaching staff by then we'll have more to talk about. Um, and then after that, we start getting into, um, evaluating some college players, some college, um, uh, all-star games, the senior bowl, Um, we'll take a look at the initial free agency, uh, see what's out there available for the Seahawks to, to look at, um, to acquire, and then we'll start doing some position group evaluations for, um, for the draft. We'll do the combine show all the way up to the draft, have a draft show, and then a a post draft evaluation show of our picks. And so we're here every week. Uh, we don't take any time off and those are some of the funnest shows of the year. We don't have to stress out about games we just come in and we talk about prospects and and uh and team position group evaluations and stuff it's pretty fun so keith have we cathartically gotten you over this hump on on the way that the season ended or do you still need some processing time
1: um does processing time involve adult absolutely <laughs> then yes, they need some <laughs> yeah. go put go put back a few
0: have a great weekend no football take oh, a football yeah. weekend off you don't have to watch anything else i did i i'm i'm one of those guys where when the seahawks are done i'm kind of leave it i i walk away and i don't really pay too much attention i kind of start to focus on the college stuff more and uh, get in tune with Who's out there? Who's available? All that kind of stuff. So I, I kind of walk away. I think it's good for me at at, at least at this point in my life. I realize, you know, it's just not as important as it used to be. The Seahawks stuff, yeah, but everything else, it's just uh, noise.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I like I like to watch the NFL. I mean, I don't just watch the Seahawks games. I watch Whatever's sure. on. So I'll watch. Um, watch the playoffs and, and everything going forward. But a lot of it is it's on while I'm working or doing other things. Like I'll have the games on and I'll watch them. But, um, yeah, it's just not the same. I mean, when the Seahawks are on, like that's where my attention is. That's where my focus is. I mean, I'm, I'm into the game and, and, and doing all of that. So, um, but yeah, it is going to be, you know, we're, we're into the off season now. We are, we're done with, um, we're done with 2020. We're approaching
0: uh, entering our fifth year on the air together.
1: I, uh, that is kind of crazy to be honest. Um, in that it does not yeah. feel like we will have completed
0: our long. fourth year. Well, we've done, this is our 207th episode. Technically 208 would have been the completion of four years, but we did a few extra shows this summer, uh, during COVID. So we would have something to do. Um, but, uh, uh in, I think mid February is when we started.
1: And so, yeah, it's been, um, been, we're almost done with, with year four and it's been a lot of fun and I wouldn't stop doing this for any reason whatsoever. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's still, it doesn't, it also doesn't feel like we've been doing this forever. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't feel like, oh, we've been, we've been doing this for a long right. time. It's you know, a like, There's no, there's no like. There's no there's there's no drudgery to it at all. It's just oh, that's good news. Thank you. Together, talk, <laughs> talk football with a friend. Yeah, and, likewise. Um, and love it. Awesome.
0: So. All right, let's get out of here. Let's put, we put the season to bed. Next week, it's a brand new uh, brand new football year for us, and uh, we'll get started with some some good roster evaluation stuff, and uh, hopefully turn this thing into a positive and and move forward uh, for the rest of the 2021 season. So. Until next week, you're going to find Keith on Twitter at MyersNFL. I'm at NW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. Seahawksplaybook.com has all of the shows archived. And uh, you can find us on your favorite uh, podcast app and subscribe also on YouTube. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.